Hi everyone, welcome to SAMA, a program which invites experts each week to discuss a topic from their area of expertise. This week we are delighted to have Fred Burrito as our guest expert to discuss depression, addiction and how to achieve a meaningful life. According to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, or SAMSHA, there are an estimated 9 million adults with mental health and substance abuse problems. And only about 7% of these people are getting treatment for both conditions. When substance abuse is combined with depression, these conditions tend to amplify each other. And if one disorder is treated without the other, recovery becomes so much less likely. Um, Fred has found the best way to treat both of these symptoms. Fred is a registered doctor. He has a medical degree and a master's degree in psychiatry from the Faculty of Medicine of the University of Lisbon. Early on in his career, he worked as a GP and in various emergency rooms and then moved on to alternative approaches to achieve well-being. Uh, Fred's most recent work has focused on holistic approaches to well-being, physical, mental, emotional and spiritual. He's done extensive research regarding the various healing modalities available today and has coached many clients to transform their lives. Fred, I can't begin to tell you how happy I am to have you on our show. Welcome to Sama. Hi, thank you very much. Now, what started you? What, what was the seed of interest that, that grew into this tree on treatment? So... I was in my second year of my medical degree in 2010. Yes. And I went to India, interestingly. I have some family roots there, as you can see. <laughs> and, after, and after being there, I just started to question um, the nature of existence, basically, the nature of reality. So I started reading about uh, religion, spirituality, quantum physics, all those things that people who understand this, that they've been through. Yes. And, you know, there's so much information, but I was trying to look at solutions. Yes. And when I started my clinical years in uh, medical degree, after my basic science years, so basically the first three years, it's a bachelor's degree. Yes. And then the last three years, it's like clinical training. And in the bachelor's degree, you learn all the basic sciences, you know, cell biology, microbiology, biochemistry. And I enjoyed that. But when I got to the clinical years, and I love treating people, I love taking care of human beings. I just felt it was very inhuman, not very uh, humane and very inefficient use of resources to tackle uh, healthcare situations. Very, very inefficient, extremely inefficient. It's not that mainstream medicine doesn't work, it works, but uh, for certain situations, you know, if you have an accident, if you need an emergency surgery, but most ailments, you can prevent it uh, naturally. And except for serious infections, uh, you don't really need medication and for for emergency situations and all the other natural avenues that we have to take care of our health and well-being they're not shared with medical doctors in their degree at all even vitamins like vitamin b3 which was a very 
mainstream treatment for col high cholesterol in the 50s, 60s, 70s. It's basically, you learn one paragraph in your medical degree that it's basically, it works for cholesterol, but it does a, a skin flush show it's not used, you know? And what I found out is that the information is very, very, very filtered for us as medical students and medical specialists, medical graduates, because we basically get our information sources fed to us. We are not proactive in researching and learning about health. So people take a very passive stance because most of them, they want to heal people when they start, when they're 18 years old, they're very kind-hearted and very hopeful. Yes. And then they get very tired and drained because it's very tiring, the whole process of medical school. And I was a very energetic person. In high school, I was a high achiever. And then I got really tired. And I got really tired for several reasons. One of them was the hospital environment is kind of tiring. And also, I feel everything was inefficient. I couldn't do much. I couldn't implement new stuff. I couldn't suggest new stuff. So it's basically very hard to, to bring change in that system. So I decided to learn things for myself and start to implement them. Wow. So your visit to India was the seed. You saw how people treated the sick there. Is it different from other countries? From the, from the regular Western? It's different, but it was the energy of the country, let's say. Because when you go to different countries, like European countries, you feel it's a very structured, powerful, you go to Germany, you go to England, you feel it's very civilized, but at the same time, very controlled and restricted. And in healthcare, that's the biggest hurdle. Uh, I feel in the planet, healthcare and energy, system, energy, you know, electricity, it's the biggest uh, impediments we have at the moment and gas cars, electrical cars, but because the rest, you can implement your alternative things. But healthcare, for sure, is the most regulated of all of them. Right. I, I might be biased because I don't know much about other, but if I'm an engineer, I can easily build a, you know, a machine that does what I want. But in healthcare, you cannot do whatever you want. Right. So, and in India, they can do many more things regarding producing pharmaceuticals and vaccines. If they don't have any money for the patents, they can produce them. So it's a very different country, more, much more liberal in the healthcare areas, for sure. Right. And, and just being there, when I went to India, I was so open to different... It's basically a different reality that it's not... Europe, Europe is very much the same, you know, it's a bit different from the language and the culture and the arts, but it's not a big cultural shock. If you go to, when you go to India or to China, it's such a cultural shock. I think that was the, the factor. Okay. So you got out of your comfort zone, perhaps, and you we're wondering well the path i've taken is it the right one is there a better path a short you know a way of really achieving results yeah well when i was 17 i thought i want to do something on the planet i want to do something positive with my life 
and I thought either environmental engineering, which is basically mechanical engineering for environmental purposes, mm. or healthcare. And I thought human beings are not more important than the planet, but they're the issue. So I'll try to fix this first. <laughs> and uh, they are the issue. So it's, uh, they're, they're, they're problem, aren't they? <laughs> so I decided instead of engineering to take care of healthcare. And I wish I had studied engineering, but I would never learn the things that I've learned if I had gone to engineering. Right. And I would never learn about spirituality because I would never question. Yes. Yes. So I'm very grateful for the challenges. It was very intense and challenging, but it made me grow faster, maybe. And um, so you started, you decided to focus on substance abuse and mental health. Why did you choose those two areas and how did you find that link between the two? Because that, that's quite remarkable. So I was giving some private consultations near my house in a private practice regarding dietary choices, nutrition, supplements, and how to gradually taper pharmaceuticals and replace with the healthy lifestyle and supplements. Wow, yeah. And other approaches. And I got approached by a friend of mine, uh, which I did ayahuasca with, and uh, that friend of mine does a queen therapy, psychedelic therapy, breath work. She's a holistic healer, kind of shaman. Yes. And she met, uh, she met somebody who's the owner of the project where I work. And uh, the owner of the project wanted to start something. And uh, he wanted to work with an African plant called Ibogaine, which has tremendous results in opioid addiction and other addictions, but basically takes away withdrawal symptoms in a couple of hours. And because it requires medical assistance, because it's cardiotoxic, requires a defibrillator, vigilance, uh, it requested my assistance, so I joined the project. And I've been doing that and emergency and private consultations since last year. And then I started to study addiction a lot. Yes. And I got fascinated because when I was young, addiction was a very biased. There was a lot of bias or, you know, people, a lot of judgment, yes. negativity. Yes, yes. And it, it's a disease like any other, mm. just... The consequences, people have reckless behavior mm. and unethical behavior associated with. But most people are addicted anyways to food and sugar, so who are they to judge, right? <laughs> exactly. No, it's, it's true. Absolutely. True. I was, yes. for sure. Yes. I, I, I also was in that boat. And I didn't notice until I got, let's say, clean of those unhealthy foodstuffs and behaviors and too much computer and uh, I understood that it's energetic mental physical emotional issue that needs to be addressed and not judged and uh, repressed so people feel shame and guilt and when people feel shame and guilt that blocks them from raising that blocks them from 
becoming better versions of themselves. Right, right. I understand that. So that's really the link up between the two, mental health, the, the level of, how would you put, how would you state this? But um, if you're depressed, if you're an anxious person, I guess then you would tend to lean towards substances to lift yourself up to a plateau. Sure. Whereas if you're stressed, well, Sure. But so, sorry. <laughs> what, what happens with emotional, physical, mental imbalances, energetic imbalances? I like to differentiate these four quadrants. Okay. For those who are skeptical, just let's say mental, emotional, and physical. For those who understand, energetic part is also important. And it's not very logical or verbally easy to explain. But there's an energy system, the Chinese, the Indians, they both describe it. There's charts from millennia ago, the Nadis in India, the, 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 the meridians in China, the chakra system, whatever people want to call it. Electromedicine also participates and uses those systems. But it has a big impact and it's, sometimes it's easier to address. But the issue with these things, mental health and addiction is we create certain patterns and these patterns are manifested in these four dimensions. You know, emotional trauma, mental trauma with belief, negative belief systems, dysfunctional belief systems, physical and unhealthy lifestyle, pollution, bad diet, dietary choices, diseases, infections, Lyme disease, whatever. And then energetic, which is very, very, very hard for people to understand. But you know, there's impact of radiation on the body. So you might understand that people living in cities have a big impact on the electromagnetic frequencies. Yes. And it's very subtle. But for example, pollution kills more people, kills millions of people every year, right? Hair pollution, right? Mm. But it's so subtle that it's hard to pinpoint this person died of pneumonia because of a 20-year-old uh, breathing air pollution in, you know, in Shanghai or Shenzhen or whatever. And these factors all contribute to these chronic diseases that we have today, but they're incremental. It's not like somebody falls, they break a leg. Oh, it's the fall broke the leg. It's an easy cause and effect. Incremental, subtle, toxic, um, toxic inputs on the body they create all these dysfunctions and so the person so gradually decays the well decays from a well-being state in these four uh, in these four dimensions and creates unhealthy patterns in these four areas and then the type of pattern will create the type of symptoms they have you know if somebody has anxiety and there's sympathetic nervous system gets more activated in the gut they have digestive issues if it's in the thorax they might have breathing issues asthma or they might have cardiac issues so similar causes can create you know people have allergies some have in the skin or in the lungs others but it's basically the same allergen sometimes right. the issue here is where it manifests and that issue regards to the energy 
So where the energy is more prone to be unbalanced, that's where you manifest the disease, regardless of the, the physical type of stimulant, you know? It's less about that. Obviously, if you smoke, you're not gonna have a toe infection uh, more frequently than in a lung or respiratory issues, right? right? But if it's something systemic, usually goes to the system that you have more weaknesses towards. Okay. And in addiction, usually emotional issues, they can be sort of related to certain body parts, usually. And the chakra system describes that well. I'm not versed on the Chinese traditional medicine, but it's very extensive. I know it's very, very legit. And I'm quite impressed. I have a couple of friends who study it, and some of them have the degree. And they always, always impress me with their med tra Chinese traditional medicine knowledge. It's quite comprehensive. And what I found out is certain emotions, they create energetic imbalances in certain systems of the body. And then they need to be rebalanced. So the person feels anxious, the person feels angry, the person feels depressed. And we find all sorts of coping mechanisms. And if these coping mechanisms are destructive long-term, either behaviors or substances, then they are deemed addictions, right? But the addiction is not the issue. The substance is not the issue. If a very healthy person does an unhealthy substance, they will not like it. Most people hate smoking at the first cigarette. So it shows that their chemistry is not compatible or is not harmonized with the substance they're taking. I understand. And usually addictions, in a way, are a saving grace because most people would be struggling so hard with their mental health issues or their physical issues, their emotional trauma, they would already kill themselves. Right. They would, most people would be unable to, would be unwilling to live. And so in a way, addiction is a least effective way, is a lesser evil, let's say than somebody giving up on their life or becoming abusive towards others, which many do. It's a lesser evil and society creates a big, big, big shame and blame and uh, all this paradigm, what it creates is it makes consumption of illegal substances an emotional negative issue. So it's not so the person can never raise above their emotional negativity level. So when you're in shame because you do drugs, because you're, you're considered a junkie, um, when you live in shame, you're not empowering yourself. When you don't empower yourself emotionally, you'll never get away from the negative emotional spirals that keep you in addiction. And that's those same negative emotions will keep you from being in recovery and will make you relapse. So if somebody has toxic relationships, codependency issues, bad uh, relationship in work with their person who, who provides their income, if people have deep-seated emotional issues, then they have a hard time 
empowering themselves and having positive emotions. David Hawkins was a psychiatrist. He died in 2012. He lived 90 plus years. And he was a very famous psychiatrist because he, he talked about emotional scale. Besides other things like uh, kinesiology, orthomolecular medicine, which I work with, which is the use of supplementation for health conditions. And he used to, to describe emotions as a scale. And it goes from shame and grief, like the most negative, to depression, fear, anger, and then courage, willingness, positivity, bliss, ecstasy, enlightenment. But the most important thing to understand here is when we are in a certain negative emotional state and that predominates our existence, we don't have access to other thought forms energy, physical well-being, all our brain chemistry will be so destructive, we will produce more cortisol uh, that will destroy our immune system, we will produce more adrenaline that will destroy our sympathetic nervous system, we will destroy our autonomic nervous system. And all these things can be improved and there's many different ways to improve that. So in addiction, what we try to do is to approach the different levels. So in our treatment, we have this plant called ibogaine. Iboga is a, a shrub from Africa, from the Gabon region, Cameroon and Gabon. It only grows properly there because the, the chemical compounds are only found in good concentrations in that region because of climate uh, conditions. And it has been used for millennia for shamanic purposes, let's say. It's a traditional indigenous practice, culture. And they use it for uh, rite of passage ceremonies. But in the 60s, it was found that it could stop uh, temporarily addiction. And it would stop the withdrawal symptoms in a couple of hours uh, from opioids. And then it would interrupt the addiction for two to six months, depending on the amount in the brain, each person's situation. But it, the chemical is quite, quite amazing and it's already used um, in, in Africa, South Africa, Brazil and New Zealand legally prescribed. And it has amazing results regarding addiction. As a solo molecule, I think it's by far the best molecule to tackle addiction, although it has its dangers and needs to be properly addressed with medical care. And there's, you don't even need this, although this is by far what I've read, and I don't know everything, but from what I've seen and I've studied addiction deeply, um, I think it's the best single molecule if you want, if somebody would only use one method. But nowadays we have safe methods, not dangerous, that you can do every day that will make your recovery from either addiction or mental health or physical chronic ailments much more achievable. And hi, we have a, a message here from Carmel if you want to read. Um, yeah, just opening up Carmela. She's a beautiful lady. She's with me most weeks for support. Where were you, Carmela, an hour ago <laughs> when I needed you? Um, and she's um, once again come up with the first with the first question. Um, there's nothing she doesn't do really. Um, it's really a message to you. Can you read the message 
on your side. Um, I can read it out. You can read it out, yeah. Okay, uh, Frederico. Um, I work, this is in uh, Pamela's words, I work with the cleaning up of drug addicts, but mostly ice victim and addicts. Um, you are approaching and talking about the spiritual side of addiction. So I'm just asking, how does Ibogaine help to remove the plastic entity that attaches itself to an ice addict, leaving the addict mentally together with no residual or loss of natural DMT? Or is that not taken into account in your work? Okay. How do you remove? I will read again. And uh, the, the plastic entity that attaches itself. Oh, plastic entity. Yes. I never knew you were. Okay. So from what I've felt, all these non-physical things are very subjective and nobody needs to believe in them. Honestly, I'm, I'm very, I'm very interested, maybe sensitive. Uh, I have no proof. So these things are all my own subjective experience of reality. But I feel during the Ibogaine uh, treatment, there's all sorts of non-physical events going on. And I usually stay in the, stay 10, 10, 15 feet from the client because it's so intense, the energy in the room. It's so intense, the energy, that it, it's very, very overwhelming to stay there. Usually the treatments last 24 hours and then they stay a week uh, in the retreat. But we give the plant and then it's a whole process of 12 hours of an, a big, strong experience and then another 12 hours of reconvalescence recovery from that uh, spiritual experience, let's say. And it's very, very intense. Some people claim they've been exorcised from negativity. I feel a lot of negativity being expressed. That's why there happens a so-called purge, like ayahuasca sessions as well, where in purging what happens is people start within their experience to experience the negative trauma, negative experiences, memories comes into the present moment and then they have the ability to let go of them and the only way to let go of them those really really deep patterns that are ingrained in the body is to release water it can be vomiting diarrhea uh, peeing uh, sweating a lot but it's really essential and usually they improve much much faster when that happens when they bring drink water and then expel it in any avenue uh, as fast as possible um, usually we give them magnesium and electrolytes, but it removes so many patterns. It removed from my life. I was able to see my childhood, uh, my family and their being loving and me understanding my relationship with my parents, my relationship with my friends, all these deep seated emotions and memories of me three years old, which I would never access, maybe through hypnosis, but I could never do it on my own. And these things, what they did was they released a big weight from in, within me where I was resentful about people around me. Why weren't they better? And then I understood they did the best they could because we're, the older I get, the more I understand that I'm a disappointment because I can't, you know, uh, impact the whole planet. So I'm, I'll always be a disappointment to myself and I'm okay with that. But now I understand why I was being so resentful. I thought people 
I was holding people accountable. They should have been better, but they were also had their issues. They also had their traumas. And I understand that now. It's okay. And if they want to improve on that, if they want to work on their traumas, that's fine. If they don't, well, it's their choice. Right. Uh, but I was able to forgive them. And I did Ibogaine myself and I was so I can understand what they go through in their sessions. Hmm. And uh, I don't do it anymore because now I meditate a lot and people recommend not to do psychedelics because supposedly it opens your aura. But um, I don't know any of that. Uh, I'm just not doing it anymore because I need st stability. And what I felt was psychedelics open up too much your mental plan, this area. So I would like to be, men I love to be mentally stable. I've always been mentally stable. And I don't want to do too many psychedelics because I know it will change my my perception and my 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 stability so i learned what i had to learn and i can help people it shouldn't be abused for sure it shouldn't be abused it should be used discriminately for healing purposes with respect and reverence and um it has been working amazingly it has been working amazingly okay but it needs aftercare for sure okay Okay, so it's it's good, but it's dangerous. The so mental health is a uh, precursor to substance abuse. Is that correct? Uh, they go hand in hand. Hand in hand. Because it's basically chicken or the egg situation. Because many people with mental health will go into addiction, and many people with addiction. Well, many people who do substance abuse will get addicted and then with mental health issues. Okay. Usually, 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 most commonly, Gabor Mate is a medical doctor. He's Canadian, but I, I think he's European. Not sure if he's from Hungary or something. He's from Europe, if I believe. Mm. And I think he, he went to Canada or to the US. And he worked, he works, he has an amazing book um about addiction um i will quote it later on but um the most interesting thing was uh, his book is called in the realm of the hungry ghosts and he speaks about addiction in depth and he speaks about trauma and most people have trauma that is subconscious and they don't understand it and then this trauma creates a lot of emotional pain physical pain because when we have certain types of thought forms some people describe the the sequence in this way you have a thought form then you have emotional state derived of that and then a physical manifestation which in a way it's true because thought forms are faster and change faster emotions take longer to change and the physical body takes longer even than emotions yeah and usually the issue is you have thought forms, you're not aware of them, you're not conscious, you're not paying attention. Mm. And then it creates emotional situations and then physical situations. And so when these traumas happen very early on, they go in deep in our subconscious, they don't get processed. And then when we have a trigger, we feel 
uncomfortable on these levels, on these three levels, and then we need something to balance, right? Right. So what do we do to balance? Something that balances our chemistry. What is it the easiest way? It's just to release serotonin, serotonin adrenaline, dopamine. Those are the main uh, neuro, neurotransmitters. Right. And usually dopamine, which is the reward pleasure system, it's the most abused one. Because pleasure is this probably, probably the strongest physical impulse that ever is, that ever existed, besides pain. But it, usually our reptilian brain, probably, uh, I might be saying a, a big mistake here, but I think our reptilian brain, which is fear-based, not logical-based, usually goes away from pain and towards pleasure. And pleasure in the human being, I think it only has one purpose. It's to protect our own individual survival and the perpetuation of species through ejaculation in the man or the orgasm. And that release of dopamine is so strong that it's enough to create a temporary relief from the lack of well-being. So it will, it will relieve the person from that suffering, mental, emotional, physical suffering. So what's the issue here with addiction? The issue is when the behavior or substance we use is detrimental to our health and to our lifestyle and to the people around us. So when it's destructive, when the substance destroys our body, when the substance destroys our neurochemistry, destroys our phys physiology, our energy system, mm. when we become reckless in our behavior, when we become uh, inhuman in our behavior, then it's an issue, then it's an addiction. And most people that are able to be healthy, they need a certain type of lifestyle that keeps them in balance. And it's when those lifestyle choices are healthy, it's not an addiction, but it's a necessity in a way because you need healthy food, healthy, you know, active lifestyle. Uh, you know, some people do spiritual practice or physical practice, breath work, something like that. And those things aren't considered addictions because they're not destructive for the body, but they're used for the same purpose, which is rebalancing ourselves, right? Yes. So what happens in, neuro, in neurochemistry, we can fix it. Ibogaine does many things. It's very multidimensional, even though it's dangerous and should always be done with medical surveillance because it leads to one in 400 deaths. Usually those deaths are from people taking it alone in doses they don't understand and buying it online, but it should be very well studied and not be done lightly. Right. But Ibogaine works in emotions because you relieve your trauma and let it go, release it. And it releases negative belief systems. Uh, and it, neurochemistry, it works on the NMDA, dopamine, opioid uh, systems. And uh, what it does, it, it resets the opioid uh, uh, system. So there's many neurochemicals. Uh, we can have supplements that we have available since last centuries, since the 50s, the 30s, the 40s. Many supplements, and I work with that and I love that, uh, they don't have basically no death associated with hypervitamin uses but what they found out last century was in psychiatry mostly was that you were able 
through vitamin C, vitamin B, vitamin D, minerals, magnesium, and others. Some amino acids, some fatty acids like omega-3, specific amino acids like uh, creatine and others. You are able to feed the brain the, the, the building blocks for the neurochemicals you are missing. What happens when you take a drug, when you take a pharmaceutical, mostly it's not the neurochemical. You're not taking dopamine, you're not taking serotonin. You're taking a molecule that inhibits serotonin from being reuptaked by the, uh, uh, reabsorbed by the cells, right? When you take 5-HTP, you're basically enhancing your natural serotonin release production. Yes. The difference is when you block it with a pharmaceutical, you're over stimulating the body with serotonin or adrenaline or, or dopamine with the drug, drug abuse. But when you are not using a pharmaceutical or a drug, when you're using a supplement, you increase the production, but you only release the substance when it's necessary. You only release the substance when the neuron is actually firing. When you take a pharmaceutical, the neuron fires and then the stimulation is in your face. It's like somebody put, puts a flashlight on your eyes and then you close your eyes and you're only seeing light, right? Right. And that's the biggest issue. And most pharmaceuticals uh, regarding neuropharmacology, they create build-up tolerance, 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 Opioids, prescription opioids are an epidemic in the US. 90,000 people a year die in US by opioid overdose. Many of them are prescription opioids. Benzodiazepines are very dangerous. And even though they can be used very well and they're very helpful, I think benzodiazepines are a miracle because they are so powerful and can be used in short term. Usually two to four weeks should be enough. And if people use it longer, they become tolerant and there's no tolerance build up with uh, benzodiazepines. Uh, people say otherwise, but some people, they can take, they can escalate their dose 30 times, you know, over time and not get overdosed because the brain becomes progressively less sensitive. And then to become sensitive and taper the, do the drug might take more than a year. Wow. without having withdrawals. Benzodiazepines is the hardest thing to come off. As prescription medication goes, yes. benzodiazepines is the hardest. Ibogaine doesn't work in the GABA. Benzodiazepines work in GABA receptors and Ibogaine helps with addiction and the reason why people use benzodiazepines but doesn't work on those systems. Okay. So. Benzos need long time to, to be worked out. And, well, do you want to ask some questions now? No, I do. Like, it's quite interesting hearing a doctor talk about medicines in this way. Normally, um, doctors are generally sort of uh, supportive of the drug industry or the, uh, the miracles of the modern yeah. medicine. Of course. And, coming, and you're coming from a different angle. It's quite refreshing. Well, it's their livelihood and they, if they are aware, then they have no ethics. If they are not aware, then uh, they have no intuition. They have no critical thinking for themselves. It's either one of them. They are, they are either 
unethical and don't care about human condition or they're unable to think for themselves and i'm very <laughs> compassionate about that because my friends i love them very much mm. and they're just working they're very tired they have their own lives yes. you need to be really obsessed like i am about knowing everything mm. and that's why i went to medicine i wanted to know everything about health and i'm that kind of person my personality is the research type I'm the research and or mental organizing type. I like to create systems and organize stuff. Right. So that's why I investigated, you know. I'm not judging. They're doing their job. It's just that most m people my age that I came across, they're not healthy anymore. In my, my colleagues, they're not healthy. You know, at least half of them, you know, they're depressed or uh, physically unhealthy or... When you have people doing uh, smoking cessation consultations in their smokers, well, that says a lot, you know? So, for me, it's about results and what works, great. You know, antibiotics, they work, great. Antibiotics abused, not, not a good thing, you know? Sure. Uh, obviously, electromedicine is a miracle regarding infections. There's no doubt it's the easiest thing to observe result wise and i hope i hope third world countries really go into electromedicine because they cannot afford to buy uh, pharmaceuticals and it's much cheaper to just get uh, electromedicine homeopathics whatever to deal with the epidemics they are dealing with malaria and mm. you know hiv whatever works you know I'm not, I'm not somebody who likes to read, read something and believes in everything. I don't believe in anything. I read everything and then I look and then I buy. I go to the clinics, I meet the people and I ask questions and I try for myself and then I will recommend. And there's many things that don't work very efficiently, but they kind of work and I understand their potential. Yes. And some things are amazing and mostly unknown for obvious reasons. But electromedicine, in my opinion, has the biggest potential, is the future. I don't see any other thing in 100, 200 years than technology with non-invasive technology healing your entire body, even reatomization, whatever. Because it makes no sense cutting a body and taking an organ out. It's just too, uh, too crude and unsophisticated. Right. And let's hope we, you know, we do more research because in the West it's very hard because it's a big, 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 uh, you know, system and they have uh, their own, you know, it's a system, it feeds them. So these people want to stay in command. I understand that. So let's hope in other countries, be it China or India, that's where my hopes lie, honestly. Especially China because they're so evolved. Uh, right now, they're gonna leap forward in the next ten years. They'll they'll put everybody on their back for sure. Mm -hmm. So I just hope that people are willing to do serious clinical research, because electromedicine is very easy to scale and to treat millions. You just need to create the right protocols and hardware and software, and it's done. In parts of Africa, people are holding on to electric fences to um, resolve their malaria. Wow. And uh, wow. 
other people were lying across uh, train tracks there's um, signals going along them <laughs> where there's a will there's a way can we talk about depression for a while please Fred? like um, sure we're talking about clinical depression for this is the again the onset to the need for drugs to support one's no not necessarily but most I would say most people in the West world have some, some mild form of depression. Well, you can't because, uh, look, look at our politicians. <laughs> yeah. Look at the people driving. I think it's a mix. It's a mix of uh, unhealthy, unhealthy external situations yeah. and internal, right? So external would be the media, which is extremely toxic because it's not constructive. For yes. me, information should be about what's happening, what can be done, Yes. right? Yes. You're yeah. not going to speak about issues if you don't have a solution, right? I'm not going to share with my friends something that can, they can't do anything about and they're not a specialist. For example, a friend of mine is a mechanic and I'll tell them about the patient of mine is dying and he doesn't know the patient and I tell them about the medical condition. Who cares? It's, it's not going to be any help in the situation and I'm just spreading negativity. It's wasting our energy in something that's not being constructive, that's not promoting life. When I did these plants, the biggest message I got when I did ayahuasca and ibogaine was love and life. And these plants were so insisting on these two words and the concept. And I was just seeing life being these infinite fractals of like trees and plants being born in fractal forms and humans and society and every, everybody living. And then I got this kind of message that stuck, that stuck with me, which was life and love. And if it's not that, it doesn't matter. You're wasting your time and your life. If it's not about life and love, you're wasting your energy. And obviously it's never perfect. Sometimes we fall from grace and we are doing less higher things and we get a bit negative, that's fine. But if we have these, these higher principles, we'll always achieve a better life for us and those around us. And in depression, what I feel is people give up from their responsibility of being responsible from their own well-being, their own emotions, their own physical well-being and their own life situation people basically learn a pattern i'm not blaming anyone here i understand this but this is a mental pattern yes. and it's so strong that you adopt from your people around you from your parents from your colleagues whatever you adopt this mental pattern which usually is putting your power outside of yourself oh my my in inner being my inner state depends on outside situations. When that's the case, then everything's wrong. Okay. Because then you can blame everything. You know, the economy is bad. And I have that mental pattern. It's very, very powerful within me. And I'm always trying to just breathe, Fred, just go, move on. And I found in myself the only way to override it, it's so strong within me, yes. that I just have to keep focusing on higher stuff. Because I couldn't get away from the negativity by trying to destroy it, you know, by repressing it, by denying it. I was, I was going to sub, uh, suggest substance abuse. 
would probably help. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't work by trying to repress. I would say for everybody who's not in danger of immediate death. Yes. You know, some people are serious addiction. They need help because they might die in a month or two. And some of our clients, they died a week before coming, oh, yes. and that's very very sad because I know we could have helped them. Yes. Um, anyways, what happens is when it's not a life-threatening addiction, you can fix this if you are willing. Most people have such low energy, and I understand this. I was not addicted to substances, but I, to sugar 10 years ago, and it was really serious. I used, sometimes I took half a kilo, which is very dangerous. And it, I just, I did it once or twice and no more. I started to have all the symptoms from hyperglycemia and I thought, no, this is too much. And I was so unhealthy at the time. Um, and then I understood why it happens, why these addictions happen. From a neurochemistry standpoint, you know? Sure. So what happens is we can fix addiction gradually. It doesn't need to be an intense week. We can fix it if you are willing and you do the right things and you have a support around you. Yes. Because addiction in a way or depression is a low energy state, low emotional, physical, mental energy. So you're not able to do it for yourself. And only somebody with a lot of energy can be relapse free by themselves after they make a decision and they come to realization and they change their life. Mm. For example, Famous actors like uh, Samuel L. Jackson, alcoholic in his 30s. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man, uh, you know, serious substance abuse. I'm not sure if it was cocaine or something, but it, it was not just alcohol. Okay. And he started at a young age because he was given it by his family. Hmm. These people have such high energy that if they're able to use their high energy instead of wasting it on drugs, using it on the recovery process then they are able but most people they have an unhealthy lifestyle they have low energy bad family systems no support systems bad uh, low uh, emotional problems mental problems it's so overwhelming they don't have enough resources within them to fix themselves okay they don't it's impossible and because everything in in universe is energy let's say they don't have enough physical energy, mental, emotional energy, family, social energy, money, which is energy. So they don't have resources. And the only way to fix this is if you use your energy properly and the most efficient way. And if you have less money, there's cheap ways to fix it. You can contact me after, afterwards. But there's very many cheap ways to fix this. And most people in developed countries, they have the resources. Okay. And some things are for free if you do breath work every day, just Wim, Wim Hof, you know Wim Hof? Wim Hof is a Dutch person, I think, is the European who does the breath. He does breath exercises, he's the world record, Guinness world record holder for uh, cold and uh, cold records and being able to run a marathon in the ice and stuff like that. And breath work is free. You don't have to pay for it. You have to be willing. And most of our clients don't have enough energy. But I tell you, if you have enough energy and you do this every day, you don't need to, you don't need to feel like you need to leave the substance today. It's not a struggle. It's not a, um, let's say, um, 
you cannot destroy your addiction. You can only rise above it. You can only transcend it. I understand. If you're trying to destroy your addiction, you're wasting your energy in the addiction. And then you will relapse. Thank you. You cannot, somebody needs to invest their energy in. Positive, loving, constructive emotions, constructive thoughts, constructive lifestyle, constructive career, constructive physical uh, routines, healthy lifestyle, healthy uh, nutrition. All your waking hours, they need to be invested in doing these life-giving things. Yeah. And it's okay to relapse. It's okay to consume every day. That's not the goal. The goal is not to stop consuming. The goal is to find higher energy states where you don't feel like consuming. Because when somebody is full of love, they, their neurochemistry is so different that they have less triggers, they have less cravings. Mm. And most people don't understand this. You can have less cravings simply by changing your lifestyle. And, and that's something that mainstream medicine doesn't speak about. For many reasons, there's no point. People understand here in Sama because they're here. And if they're watching Sama, they're already understanding how things work. But obviously these things are very efficient and they would, I, I bet most people would be, would have no addiction if the conventional Western medical model was integrating this, uh, this uh, approaches I just spoke about, for sure, I guarantee you. And most rehabs here, conventional, they don't even care. I call them, I, I tell them, look, I've, I have studies, I found this information, let's try this out. It's, it's inexpensive and they're unwilling. So if they're unwilling, and this is nothing that's illegal, you're just doing breath or taking supplements, you know, or doing emotional healing, these things are are all legal in Western world. Yes. They're just not systematized into the system. And so because most people, when they ask for help, they are not aware of the alternative healing approaches that are available on the planet, they just go to the mainstream. And then, you know, they pay 80 euros for a consultation and they get prescribed an antidepressant, right? Right, and their life has not got more meaning. What you're talking about is raising your level so that your life is give you the rewards, not the little pill. Or yes. Addictions. Well, basically, we're all here, right? We're all alive now, John. We have this body, it's not forever. Most people, they don't question that. They think they don't question their mortality. If you don't question your mortality every day until you're enlightened, let's say, if, that, if that's possible, if you don't question your mortality, you're just surviving because you don't understand what you're doing on the planet. You just came to being, you, you're just born, your parents gave birth to you, and now you're alive, and now you're just surviving. And that's most people's approach to life is they're just living. And that's fine. If the world is in harmony, that's fine because animals, they're in balance with nature and they're just alive. Most, I think, I, I'm not sure, but most animals don't question themselves. Maybe the most intelligent ones, dolphins, I don't know, elephants. They're very, very, very intelligent. But... Most people, they don't question their, their purpose in life. And if they don't do that, then what's the point? They'll never 
look for the purpose in life and if they don't look for a purpose in life they will not find it they will not find it you know somebody poor if they're not looking into abundance they'll not create it because it creates all the negativity factors that they were born into you know if we are born into certain conditions Yes, it might be very unfair, you know, I'm in a middle tier kind of situation where I was born in a middle tier country, uh, middle tier income family, but they're very pure and kind hearted and they're very, very good people. And that's the best part. They're very, they have a lot of integrity. Yes. But the thing is, most people, they don't have the ability to perceive more because they are born into certain conditions. And if you and me, were born in uh, Sumatra or what, uh, not Sumatra, but Somalia or something in very poor conditions, maybe we would not be talking about this right now, you know? Mm. You know, Fred, um, so, quite, yes. often people, quite often people cross that path and see the real reality once they get sick in some way. Some, they get a, 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 um, a real wake up call. Wake up call, that's the word I was looking for. Like it's better than the word I was looking for. <laughs> the wake-up call where you realize, well, A, there's um, X amount of years left on the planet, if you're lucky, or your, your, your physical structure's now been compromised in some way, and you've got to think differently. And that's quite often when people do have that massive change in the way they think, and they, and they suddenly become better people. Well, they have no chance, right? well suddenly they they actually start living life and they realize that life is not necessarily about them but for others and once you start passing the love and everything forwards to strangers as well as family that's when they feel the reward coming in bucket load so one of the main issues in um, let's say society is the illusion of separation let's say. And I still have that illusion from a realization standpoint, spiritually, but from a mental standpoint, I already understand that everything is connected. When you do these plants, you'll understand. And people who meditate uh, seriously and are able to expand their awareness, their identity beyond the physical body, beyond the emotions and the thought forms, and they're able to realize that their identity is more than that then those people realize by themselves it's not a mental belief system or something they believe in they realize by themselves that unity let's say is the ultimate truth let's say the ultimate state of existence the ultimate state and because 99.999 people have this illusion of separation the impulse is survival. When the impulse is survival, your impulse is physically take care of your physical survival, your emotional needs, your mental needs. And I understand that. But it's problematic on a certain standpoint, which is people do not make the best individual choices that benefit also the collective. Like diet choices that don't uh, destroy the environment, uh, you know, healthcare choices that don't destroy the environment, 
all these things, lifestyle choices, individual life, you don't even need to become a, a, you know, a savior of the planet. It's about individual lifestyle. If everybody was responsible and was caring and compassionate and aware, it's about awareness. Because most people, they are loving with dogs, but then they, you know, they are so dispassionate about other mammals. So I think it's about awareness and mostly it's a, it's a mental conditioning. And what I've learned is mental conditioning is really, 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 really hard to, to transform or to dissolve. But it's doable and I feel it's like a candle ignites the other candle and then it spreads the fire. Yes. But um, I would say if people are listening, I would say the most important thing is first taking care of our individual well-being, you know, physical, emotional, mental and financial, social loving, take care of that and when that's taken care of, because that's the essential has to be, it's the pillar. If you're not well, you cannot help others because you'll be unbalanced and you'll do the right actions. You won't do the right actions. Right. After you're balanced, if you devote yourself to something that's constructive towards life, then that will incrementally snowball effect on the planet and you'll have a better life for everybody. And that's the only way because our technology is evolving so much. If we don't do that as a humanity at the moment, uh, there won't be any more life. And that's, that's it. And it's a choice people have to make whether they, you know, I, it might take a hundred, two hundred, a thousand years. I don't know. Okay. But Technology evolving requires consciousness evolution because technology has to go in balance with wisdom. Otherwise, it becomes very inhuman. And I love technology from the bottom of my heart. I think it's amazing empowerment because we don't need, you know, I don't need molecules. I can just take my spooky tool and very portable and do something amazing. It's, it's true, right? It's very practical. It is true, but we try not to promote Spooky 2 during these summers. <laughs> but it is true. <laughs> oh, I didn't know, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's okay. We can edit that out anyway. We're getting close to the end of the summer. I was wondering if you could share with us any case histories that are showing the power of improving your mental state and the path to recovery from, dep from depression and also from addiction. Sure. So, um, a close friend of mine, he, he was having uh, symptoms of energy deficient syndromes, which is a, you know, maybe you know what it is, but for most people is a generic symptomatology like chronic fatigue, generalized pain, chronic inflammation, uh, whatever, you know losing water in many systems, people having, you know, losing water in the nose or in the gut or whatever. Right. All those things are low energy deficient. Ultimately, everything is low energy. It's energy deficiency, right? So it depends on where it's located. And that person started to do, did some plant work, 
uh, and then he did some uh, meditation, breath meditation, and then supplementation. And now that person is in such a shape, has never been as healthy as it is at the moment, um, is able to work long hours without being tired all day long, sleeping four hours a day. Yes. I've done that myself. I had no addiction lately. I dealt with my behavioral addictions many years ago through meditation and dietary choices. But after I started supplementation uh, and I do, after starting electromedicine and supplementation, sometimes if I can keep this, I feel like this is like a, an athlete's thing. If I keep myself focused and in high energy states, I'm able to sleep four hours and work all day long and feeling healthy, which I thought it was impossible. So I thought it was impossible, but it's quite possible. And now I'm gonna start, I'm starting already and I'm gonna start publishing uh, courses and videos and information in social media about energy because now I'm working with anti-aging besides addiction. And uh, in anti-aging, basically, it's about energy production. And uh, there's many ways to tackle energy production, but it's basically the mitochondria produce less energy, so the DNA gets damaged, doesn't get repaired, or it doesn't get properly read. And when that happens, uh, cells stop reproducing, so you know systems start to fail. Yes. And we have so many, so many opportunities now to have basically i don't focus on destroying the or you know destroying diseases i focus on creating well-being because i feel medicine is about diseases and i'm about well-being i don't like diseases and most people focus on diseases you understand the difference yeah yeah i like to focus on what works if it, there's no solution i don't care you know if somebody has a something that's you know, there's no solution. Either I look for the solution, what's the point of creating diagnosis? And, you know, I diagnosed you with syndrome type XYZ, you know, DSM-5 or DSM, it's the psychiatric uh, nomenclature for diagnosis. And they have so many diagnoses, but very, very few results. And I guarantee you these things are very addressable. Very, very addressable. Wow. There's many cases, you know, if somebody, you know, basically I'll just summarize. Okay. You can heal chronic physical ailments if it's not genetic or congenital and, or an accident, you lost a limb or something. You can heal almost anything. I guarantee you, if you were not born with that condition, if it was not an accident, if it was not something serious like exposure to radiation or something, you can reverse almost anything, but you need to do the right things. And you need to never give up in looking for a solution. Even if you need to learn other languages, call other countries, look for solutions anywhere else. But you will find, and I doubt there's, I found almost solution for almost everything. And I've studied so many things. And I called people with uh, multiple sclerosis in wheelchairs that got up to walking again. Wow. So everything's possible. It's amazing. So... Yeah, stem cells, electromedicine, and supplements, all that combined made them walk again and remission, you know, in a fast progressing type 
multiple sclerosis. So everything's possible. It's amazing. And when somebody believes that they have no, that they cannot be done, that there's no solution for the problem, they automatically block the solutions. Yeah. And they're unwilling to try something new and they're unwilling to cooperate with the healing opportunities that they might, might arise. So they sabotage themselves. Right. So the healing has to start in the brain. Um, Carmen has asked another question in regards to Ibogaine. Uh, she's asking what the alkalinity level is and what the vitamin B level is. Do you, are you, do you know that information? Is it an alkalinity? I do. I just need to read it. Okay. <laughs> alkalinity level. Oh, okay. Now, ibogaine has no, is, is a molecule, a standout molecule. Okay. It has nothing to do with vitamin B3. Okay. So, ibogaine is a plant, has many molecules, yes. and the molecule more used for addiction is ibogaine. So, they purify it and use it on hospitals, you know, in Brazil and uh, South Africa, New Zealand. Or the third world country. Well, well those are the ones where it's used in prescribed, you know? Because they're more open. Mm. Yeah, well, they have clinical trials there and they're available through medical prescription. And then they're, they're available in other countries because Ibogaine is so rare, it's not regulated. So because it's not regulated, it doesn't matter. It's like you taking a supplement plant, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, it's entirely plant-based, it's natural compound. Yes. So if you need to know. And alkalinity, it well, uh, when it's ibogaine, just the molecule, not the plant powder. When it's just the molecule, it's a white powder. When it's the plant, it's a dark brown. Uh, it's not a mushroom, it's a shrub. And then the shrub has a root, and the root bark, the middle layer, has the chemicals. They take that middle layer and they eat it in Africa. But for medical purposes, they grind it into a powder and then they can purify it. And regarding alkalinity levels, it's ibogaine hydrochloride, so I guess it's an acid, but I'm not sure. It's, you can Google ibogaine hydrochloride, HCl, and you have the pH level. Right. But a pH level doesn't matter. You can just take bicarbonate water or something if you want to alter your pH. Ozone water, hydrogen water. <laughs> How can people contact you if they want to get more information? Okay, so... They can, they can contact me directly through my phone, which I will say because it's easier if they're listening to the video to understand the phone number, but it's plus 351-91749-5422. That's the Portuguese phone number. They can always reach through WhatsApp. I'm always available because I have no sound notifications. Nobody will ever bother me. Uh, so I always reach read the messages and if they need to contact. Then I have my email, which is uh, Frederico Barreto at C-A-N, well, I need to spell it, right? Maybe it's better. F-R-E-D-E-R-E-C-O-B-A-R-R-E-T-O at C-A-M-P-U-S dot U-L dot P-T. That's my email, private. Then I have another one. That's the other email is um, limitless.hsolutions at gmail.com that's my business email l-i-m-i-t-l-e-s-s 
.hsolutions at gmail.com. They can contact there. And we'll leave the contacts in the video description as well, right? Yes. Excellent. Yeah. And, and that's it. For you. Well, thanks very much for coming on the show. It's um, been a real bit of an eye-opener. You're saying that the best way to approach addiction and depression is you've got to start first from the mind, which is quite, um, quite an important message. Well, it starts from within. Not, I, I feel it's the mind alone is not enough. It starts from within. What's within? Our emotions, our, our mental space, our emotions, our physical. That's our interior, right? Yes. And the only thing we really can have control over is what's within us. Outside, we have some sort of impact, but it's not 100% our way. Yes. But within us, it should be 100% our way. And if that's the case, you'll be healthy, wealthy, successful, happy when you empower yourself up to your maximum potential, which is limitless. You can't end at a happier note than that. Fred, thank you so much for coming on to our show. Thanks. And thank you everyone for watching. See you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that's it. Another one. Another one down the another one done. We've done the work. We've done a good job there. Thank you so much for um, accepting our, our begging. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Can I speak about uh, a bit about electromedicine? Just five minutes. Oh, absolutely. Are you like? Yeah. So I was. I have some friends. Well, I can't do this just you know easily on older people, but I have some friends who did it, and then they say, "Oh, my parents are all eighty plus." And they want to they have poor circulation and i thought oh that might be a good thing to try out yes so i'm gonna try those things out you know good uh i worked briefly for three weeks maybe three weeks four weeks in a clinic in central lisbon uh the owner is quite wealthy perhaps sure. apparently and he creates machines that are 20k or more called time weaver do you know oh i know the software time weaver but not the yeah so it's that machine the hardware he created the hardware with the germans He's, he was a portuguese engineer who taught in college he was a university teacher if i'm not mistaken okay or whatever he had a book and he started to develop these machines and i tried it out and i didn't have much experience oh, there but i know it, that machine that's right we actually got one and it's the, like a square, a white this square. Is, this is not going to be recorded live, and you've only got, and the, and the people that are watching us now, they're all my friends, Carmen and Trevor, who, Trevor, I will want to talk to you in voice later on, so please keep on line. Um, we call it the time waster, <laughs> because it had a diagnostic facility, because we were comparing our machine with theirs, and everyone is just totally different. You know, it'll tell you you've got AIDS and this, and then the run of the game, oh, no, you're perfectly healthy in the course of a minute. It was, it's just, it was a real time waster. And as you say, maybe, maybe. from what I remember, from what I remember, it was four years ago. So I didn't understand electromedicine at the time. Um, maybe his machine is only up to five volts. Maybe. Mm. 
I'm not sure, and I'm not trying to bash anybody uh, because there's no point bashing specific people uh, because I don't know all the uh, all the information available. Um, I know it has potential, and I know the software is quite good and has good frequency set lists. But I was not there long enough to see results, and it's it's too expensive. Twenty plus k for a machine, in my opinion, it's fine. He wants to do profit. I understand that. I'm okay. It's a business. He wants to live his life. I'm okay with that. But it doesn't just stop with the money side. Their software, after it does a scan, it recommends supplements, and and you preload your own supplements into there. And so it says you you need this, you know, the, this brand and this, you know, name of product. And so it doesn't, the profiteering doesn't end with the person coming in for the um, treatment or the diagnosis. Okay. It's quite. Well, um, for me, it's, I think it's a matter of, I want results. I want, uh, I want to live in a planet where there's more health because that's essential. Because unhealthy people create unhealthy society, unhealthy planet and destroy the planet. Yeah. Uh, I just care about results, honestly. And, you know, Whatever, whether that works or not, the time weaver, you know, if it works great, if it doesn't, you know, it's not hurting people like big companies are. So, you know, I don't really mind too much, you know, he's a nice guy. Um, he had something called the Papimi, if you know what it is, the electromagnetic one. Very strong. Yeah. The coil, very, very powerful. My phone and my watch completely stopped working. Yes. And they were not, they were in my pocket, not in my arm. So, right. um, so those were interesting. And I think the spooky for the price, uh, now we're not, yeah, I can no, speak about it. Yeah. For the price, it's quite good. Uh, no, quite, quite good. What I want is I want to study electromedicine specifically for certain things and to have like intense results. For example, let's say, because in healthcare it's so hard, I would like to try in plants, let's say. Right. Because I think if you could make crops grow faster with scalar energy or anything in a very efficient way, like some people describe imploding water that might, I don't know for myself, but as some people describe implosion devices for water, increase plant yield. Mm. If there's a way to create either scalar or other methods of electromedicine, to enhance plant growth where there's no ethical issues for experimentation, you can scale your business. Yeah. And that way, that's what I feel if I invested in electromedicine and I couldn't do human research, I would invest in, 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 in plants because what can they say? Oh, you cannot experiment. Of course I can, plants, <laughs> come on. Yeah. And it's profitable and we need to scale our businesses and to scale electromedicine, you need funding, you need, you need something that's profitable, you know, and it's easy to regulate healthcare. It's very easy. Just say, oh, there's no, this device cannot be used, blah, 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 you know, but uh, if it's something that's not used in animals, it's very, very, it's much easier. So if you feel the same, and you're willing to work, and I'm willing to work not necessarily at the moment, but from some months from now or some, some time from now, because I feel that's a good way if you don't have 
if you cannot do what you want regarding humans in electromedicine, certainly you can do it in other life forms and you're not hurting them. You're just trying to improve life on the planet and increase agriculture production or plant tree growth or whatever. Right. And that way you'll get money. You'll learn more about the impact of scalar waves or electromagnetic uh, fields on, 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 on life. Right. And then you can do amazing things. You can study cell biology. You can do studies on, on cells, like they do many of them, right? Those rife studies were on cells. And you can do the, on them, rejuvenate cells, you know, fix whatever diseases in first in, in vitro. And then you go to a country where you can do in vivo and you start the experimentation. Right. But at the moment, probably what we have, and you can, you can confirm this suspicion I have, what we have is we have past information from geniuses and people like yourself, they're able to you know, improve on this information, but probably weren't able to do clinical trials like the guys did in the past, you know? Like this Prior did in France in the 70s and Reif did in, I don't know when, and Lakowski and all these things. Uh, they were able to do clinical trials. Right. Well, we're quite fortunate. A, we live in China, which is away from the Western noise. Um, B, we've traveled around the world and I've personally talked with a person that um, um, worked with Priori, he, who was side by side, I can imagine it. Um, and so we, we are privy to a lot of things that are happening. There's things which we haven't mentioned because that doing so would stymie any progress from here and now. But you must know about the spooky scalar, right? When we were developing that, we found that plant growth just was astronomical. We're working in with researchers in uh, Florida. Uh, they've got CBD farms and they, of course, want to um, want to... That was up. my idea, to grow yeah. CBD oil. Oh, for oh, sure. Well, of course, it's happening. Pretty much everything that you talked about we've got our finger in <laughs> we're doing, including this, yes. the lab trials as well, but we can't. I feel the most efficient way to use it on plants is those plants who are very expensive per gram and require a lot of resources to make them grow like CBD, essential oils, medicinal plants that aren't big sized organisms. I think that's the best way to start to use scalar energy. Well, we're doing all that. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. Good to know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so just watch this spot. I really can't give any information away. Just exactly. No, what that's it. fine. It's business is business. But, oh, no, it's not business. It's um, passion, but it's knowing the dangers of, of uh, spreading the information. Um, I understand. But we cannot say everything. I understand. I don't say everything I do as well, John. Don't worry. <laughs> I think, what, I think people uh, mis mistake uh, uh, complete transparency from uh, being kind-hearted and smart. Because yeah. if we are 100% transparent, uh, those who aren't kind-hearted, they'll uh, eat us alive. So we need to be smart. Yeah, yeah that's an um, unfortunate fact of life. That's the game. That's, that's the rules of the game. I hate to be like that, honestly. I hate, but that's the game, so I'll play it. Well, for that's sure. That's the only way. For a very short time, you were batting for the other side. For a very short time, of course. Uh, 
No, well, <laughs> I do what I do to, to, you know, to have an income and to live. That's all. It's just that people, if they don't support what I want to do, it's on them. You know, I want to do, I, I, publish, I publicize my services. If people are unwilling, uh, if I work in the ER, it's their fault because they're not funding me. So it's their responsibility. I already do these things in my own personal life. And if they're unwilling to, to create these things in society because they're not paying for them, so they're not promoting these alternatives, yeah. it's their responsibility. I'm no longer going to sacrifice my well-being and live in uh, poverty because people are unwilling to choose what's healthy and balanced. Right. right. Society has to make the choice. They make the choices. And we're here to serve if they're willing. And the more they give us energy, the more we can expand our ability to serve them. So it's on their hands. Exactly. Thank you again, once again, for your time. Thanks, John. Thanks for your work, huh? Okay. I should learn some coding. <laughs> you take care. This has been lovely speaking to you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye-bye.